We're starting back in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, okay? Uh, this week we're talking about the most important parable. That's not just interpretive. Jesus says this is the most important one. In the middle of this parable, this teaching here in Mark, chapter 4, Jesus says to his disciples, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So Jesus is going to start teaching in parables. This is what we read here, Mark chapter 4, verse 1. He began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So this is like all the people were crowding around him. He healed thousands and thousands of people this, to, to this point. Everybody's coming for some of that. But listen, this is why I'm saying like there's more important things than just our physical illnesses because Jesus takes a time out. The needs will never stop. And he gets in a boat so he doesn't get crushed. You know, he's got the sea behind him now. And now he's teaching in parabolic form so people can understand. All right. Uh, We go on here. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, now before I go any further with what he's going to teach in this most important parable, I want you to see this, this idea of parables, okay? Like stories. Uh, why is he teaching them? I want to connect what he's about to teach with what we said last week. The last verse we left off on was Jesus saying, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. His relatives have come, physical relatives have come, even though his brothers didn't believe in him. They didn't believe the stories his mother had said. Your brother was actually this... His, Son of God, he was, I was a virgin when I got pregnant with him. Like, they didn't believe it. And they're, they're saying, Jesus, come out here and talk to us. And he says, you know what? Those guys out there, I'm not in a relationship with them. My, my brother and sister and mother is whoever does the will of God. It's who actually does it. And watch, watch, watch. There's going to be a dividing line that Jesus talks about today between those who actually live out the word of God and those who just hear it but don't get it. And he said, in this parable, you got to get it, talking about the people who do get it. And he said, the people in the room with me listening to the word of God are the ones who get it. My own flesh and blood out there, they don't get it. Now, put it in the context of something Jesus is going to say later. I want to go back to the prophet Isaiah, Okay. Uh, Jesus has prepared his disciples to go out and teach. There was a time when Isaiah was called to go out and preach God's word. He heard the voice of the Lord saying, he's like, I need somebody to go preach my word. Whom shall I send and who will go for us, God said. And then Isaiah said, well, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say this to the people. Here's what I want you to preach, Isaiah. Now watch this. You're going to preach this. Hey, everybody, keep on hearing, but do not understand. And I want you to preach, keep on seeing, but do not perceive. God said, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. This is going to be your ministry, Isaiah. What do you mean by that? Can you imagine, like, if God said, I need a pastor to go to Calvary Baptist Murfreesboro. Okay, here am I. Steve Willis, send me, Lord, I'll go there, preach God's word. Okay, Steve, but just so you know, when you get there, here's going to be people's response to your teaching. Okay? 
you're going to preach to the people of Murfreesboro. Keep on hearing, but don't understand anything I'm teaching. Keep on seeing, but don't perceive. The people of Murfreesboro at Calvary, their heart's going to be dull. Their ears are going to be heavy. They're going to be blind. They can't see. Let's say see with their eyes and they'll hear with their ears. They're not going to understand what you're teaching. They're not going to turn. They're not going to change. They're not going to be healed. Do you think I would have come if God told me that was going to be my ministry here? Like who wants to go preach? Like Isaiah never had a convert. I mean, he's a popular prophet, major prophet in the Old Testament now. But the time he was preaching, everybody was like, nah, terrible preacher. We don't want to hear a word he has to say. They end up killing him, okay? And so this is why Jesus taught in parables, connected to the prophet Isaiah. Watch this. A parable is a parallel. It means to set two things next to one another for the purpose of comparison, okay? Now, as he does that, Jesus said last week, or at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, what's the difference here? Remember I said the watershed between the people that get it and don't get it? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. This is crucial to understanding the parable that Jesus is about to teach next. It's not just a matter of hearing the parable and the principles that are within it. It's that you do what Jesus teaches. You actually live it out. The person who hears and does, hears and does, hears and does, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is why Jesus said, whoever does the will of God, not just who hears it. And man, listen, our, our community is filled with people who have heard the word of God, who profess to believe in the word of God, but do they actually do the will of God? This is the key from Jesus' teaching. He wants to make something clear to us today. That mere, listen, listen, mere profession of faith is not the only indicator of a heart that has been transformed. Professing that Jesus is Lord is a sign of salvation only if it is accompanied by obedience to the Word. Listen, I want to make this clear. Obedience to the Word of God doesn't save us, but it can be a sign of a changed heart. I'll say that again. Obedience to the Word of God doesn't save us. But when you're saved, a result of that profession should be obedience to the word of God. But if someone doesn't have a changed heart after their profession, nothing about their life changes. If there's no love for God and his word, can we really say that we love or that we want a relationship with Jesus? What, what do I mean by that? Okay. Some of you have daughters. Okay. Uh, or say you, your best girlfriend, all right, for the younger folks in the room, your best girlfriend has met this guy, and she's like, oh, he just loves me so much. He tells me all the time that he loves me. You're like, oh, that's great. I think he's thinking about popping the question. Really? Okay, I never see y'all hanging out together. Well, a lot of times he just doesn't have time for me, but that's okay. He says he loves me. And once in a while, I'll write him love notes, but he never reads them. 
He says he's going to do stuff for me, but he rarely follows through. Now, how many of you would encourage your daughter to marry that guy? How many of you, some of you are thinking, I am married to that guy. All right, so, like, so let's just back off for that a moment with marital counseling. That's next week, okay? All right, so, so how many would say to your daughter or to your best girlfriend, hey, that's the guy you need to be with. That's the guy, like, are you going to make the argument to them that they really should be with him? Like, if he, in the same way, this is what Jesus is saying. People say that they love Jesus. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I love Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But they don't have any desire to be in his word. This is his love letter to us to explain how much he loves us and cares about us. But it's a struggle. It's a fight to get into this. And not only to get into it, but actually live it out and do what it says. The question is, is do you really love Jesus? That's the question that we all have to be asking. And that's what this parable is about, my friends. Listen, you're going to see some people like the Pharisees in Jesus' time who don't make a profession of faith in him, and they never will. Jesus is going to talk about them in this parable. But the majority of this parable is about people who do make a profession of faith, who do follow Jesus around. And some of them are legit over here. But some of them really don't believe. And so this parable, listen, is a diagnostic. He's giving it to his disciples so that when they are doing their ministry, when they are sharing their faith with their friends, that they can diagnose, is this person actually getting what I am sharing with them? Do they really love Jesus? And so Jesus says, to start the story, listen, watch, behold, that's why I do this. Sometimes people say, man, how many times do you say listen over the course of a sermon, all right? Well, here's the deal. If you go through Mark chapter four, Jesus says listen or hear what I'm saying. He uses the word for listen or hear 12 times in this one parable. So I'm just trying to preach like Jesus when I say listen, 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 you all right? Like I'm trying to model after him. When I say watch here, that's what that Behold, that's, a, that's like saying watch, right? So this is Jesus just getting people's attention. Like, watch, watch, watch. That's why I think he was preaching to teenagers most of the time because he says, listen and watch. Watch, look, pay attention, okay? A sower went out to sow, okay? Now, I'm just gonna go right through this parable and I want you to just see how long it lasts. It's not very long. Listen, behold, class, attention please. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. And other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And then Jesus closes with these words. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, why does he say that here? I mean, he just said, listen, listen. Why do you say, 
usually you don't say listen after you've said what you've said. You say it before. What he's saying here is, if you have ears to hear what I'm saying, listen to what I just said. Not everybody who has ears actually hears. Okay? Now, when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. They're like, Jesus, why are you preaching in parables? Why, why do you do it that way? We, you just went through it. It just took a minute for me to read those verses to you just now. They're like, you, just, you said something, an illustration back there for a minute, but we didn't understand. This is what I want you to understand about parables. Watch, this is key to understanding. From this point on, Mark tells us that Jesus started teaching in parables. Why did he do that? Many of you have heard it been taught that usually the purpose for parables was because Jesus was a master teacher and it was an illustration or analogy so that people would get what he meant so they would remember his stories. That's not why. It's not why. And it's not interpretive on my part. Here is why. He said to them, to you has been given the secret. Some of your Bibles say, use the word mystery here. The secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. What is he saying? I'm speaking in parables. I'm speaking in metaphors because I've got these enemies out there who don't get it, who won't get it, who are going to say, you taught this wrong or you taught this. What he's saying is I'm using the illustration out there, but for the people who are my brothers and sisters, the one who want to do the words, I'm going to share the meaning in here. But not everybody out there is going to get it. I don't want them to. It's almost like he's speaking in code. He doesn't want the people out there to know exactly what he means. He's only got a certain few that he wants to know what it means. How do I know that? He says in the next word, so that. Look who he's quoting here, the prophet Isaiah. That they may indeed see but not perceive. And may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Remember what Jesus said last week, the week before? The Pharisees are never going to be forgiven for attributing my power through the Holy Spirit to the work of the devil. And so I'm speaking in parables to them, but I'm doing it to confuse them. But over here, I'm going to speak it to you so that you can understand and I want you guys to get it. And this is why he says, I tell this parable of the four soils. There was seed that was thrown along the path that was trampled on. There was seed that was on rocky soil. This is like Middle Tennessee local area soil, all right? It just, it's rocky. You got about that much dirt on top of it. Then you've got seed that was in with the weeds and the thorns. And then you've got the good soil. Okay, we'll come back to that in just a moment. Okay, now Jesus is interpreting so we can understand it. Good stuff here, don't miss. The sower sows the word. Okay, the seed is the word of God. And the sower is the one who goes out just casting seed around and hope it takes. Hopefully it'll end up in some good soil. This is what I want you to see. These variables don't change. The focus of this parable isn't on the sower. 
It's not the good sower, the bad sower, the effective sower. This isn't about evangelistic techniques, all right? And the word is going to be the same no matter where it's cast. It's all like an, an acorn, okay? Like if you had a heavy mass in, all right, and you've got acorns all over, some of them we're going to take, but within each one of those is the DNA for that tree, that huge oak tree to cover up masses of land, to have huge branches. The DNA is the same in all those acorns, okay? And so this is what he's saying. The seed has the potential, but where it falls is what's going to make the difference. So the focus isn't on who the sower is, and the focus isn't on, on the Word, because the Word of God's the same no matter who it hits. Now watch. He's in these, the first ones, the seed that fell along the path where everybody walks. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes it away, the word that is sown in them. He just takes it right away. Okay, now I want to make a little note here. Like there's some pastors out there that don't believe in a real Satan. Okay, don't call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, if you don't believe in actual real Satan who goes out and blinds people and takes the word again and takes the word away from people and doing everything he can to prevent the word of God getting to people because Jesus believed in actual real Satan that is actively working out there to destroy the people of God. Okay? So th- this is the first group that is working to take it away. Okay? That's what you just saw with the Pharisees and the Sadducees who have just attributed his power to the devil. They don't accept Jesus' word. There's no fruit in their lives. They don't believe in the miracles. And Satan has control of their lives. Now, the Apostle Paul explains these type of people this way. Now, watch. It says, in their case, the God, little g, speaking of Satan, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, a lot of times we can make a mistake with this verse or we think about people who who don't get it, who don't get the gospel as if they're blindfolded. But that's not the word here. It's not the word for blindfolded. It's they're blind. They cannot see. Satan has blinded them. The problem's on the inside, not something on the out. Their hearts can't hear and receive the word of God. It's very real. Let let me give you something that I think will help you during this COVID election cycle. And we all know they're like related, what's going on right now, how crazy everything is. Okay? I think this will really help you. Um, if you have an eight-year-old that walks through your house and you've got water here on the table or whatever, and the eight-year-old is constantly running through the house and bumping into the table, knocking the water on the floor, as a mom and dad, you get upset at that eight-year-old. You're going to give him time out. You're going to punish him in some way. Like, quit being so careless. Every day they run through and they run through the table and they knock over the water and it falls. And you're mad. Why do you keep running into the table? But let's say that you find out that eight-year-old is blind. Now are you going to be angry at them because they ran into a table that they couldn't see? Do you follow what I'm saying, church? Here's the thing. 
So many times we watch people share opinions on TV and we say, that's a stupid opinion. What's wrong with these people? How can, like, they, how can they let them speak in public such stupid thoughts, right? You just think like, how, how can they not see the truth? How can they not see the light? And you get angry at them. Like, I can't believe that politician believes this way. I can't believe that this local leader, I can't believe this person teaches this. And we're so angry at them, but the reality of it is, They don't know because they can't see. And if you understand that they are blind, then all of a sudden you're not angry at them. It's all like, oh, bless their heart. (laughs) They just can't see any better. And then let me tell you what, that's a lot better way to live than walking around this world being angry at blind people. Do you get that, church family? So don't spend the next three months, because we know it's going to be the next crazy three months, right? Don't spend our time being angry at people. Just like, ah, you know what? They're blinded. They can't see. And listen, those people that you hear that are blind, they are not the enemy. The God of this world is our enemy. And they are someone who is deceived, who is blind, but they need the love of Christ. Don't confuse People who run into tables as malcontents or mean, oftentimes they're just blind. Okay? Then we go to, to me, the toughest soil to read about. And these are the ones who are sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. Like, this is rocky ground. Like, this is what I've noticed. Like, we drove around looking for homes. and we went over, I like this Shagbart area right across the street, okay? And my wife and I walk, like walking around there. We didn't find a home there, but we like walking around there because they've got real trees. Like if you're from West Virginia, we, you got these little dinky trees or whatever, but these are real trees that are over there, okay? And the reason why is that like, it's not all rocky ground over there. Like a lot of other parts of Murfreesboro, you can't grow big trees because you got rocks just right below the surface, okay? And this is what Jesus is saying, man. You've got these acorns that have fallen on the ground and they hear the word and immediately they receive it with joy. Now, your first impression is this is a saved person, right? But he says they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while. In other words, they seem to be living out their faith for a while. They say they believe, might come to church, might be in a Bible study for a little bit of time. They join a connect group. But then when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, word of God, there's something in there they don't agree with or living out this is causing them too much trouble in life, immediately they fall away. This is what I want you to see about these trials and tribulations. Listen, first takeaway of the day. God uses trials to develop us. Satan uses trials to destroy us. But the one constant is that we all have trials. I mean, this I know is true of everybody in this room. Listen to what I'm saying. For most of us in here right now, you're in the middle of some kind of trial. And if you're not in the middle of some kind of trial, then you're in this group, which is you're just coming out of some kind of trial. Like you were in one, now you're like, but the problem is if you're coming out, you're also in this first group 
which is you're getting ready to go into a trial. You're in one of these three categories. In fact, you might be in all three at the same time. You're either in a trial, just getting out of a trial, or you're getting ready to go into one. You're in one of those. That's just what we call life. And it's God's way of trying to develop us, but it's Satan's word of trying to destroy us. It's really God's way of trying to develop our heart to love him more, to depend on him more. And what Jesus is saying about this second kind that's on the rocky soil, man, those who don't endure show that they have no root. They're not rooted in Christ Jesus. I don't think this person is saved. Now, Chip's here this morning. He didn't know that I, that I, was, that I was given this, but I don't, I don't know. If, like we, uh, he's not a celebrity in the house or whatever. Like he would hate if we said that, okay? But like seminary students all over the country that are in counseling classes are, are hearing about what Chip wrote about in his book, The Voice of the Heart. He's got like 20 books out, okay? Um, but in, in The Voice of the Heart, he talks about what Jesus is talking about here, about the soils and how what the fruit of our life is springing out of, the, the behaviors that we see up here are actually a result of the roots of what's going on in our heart down there. And that's, it, it just manifests itself out here. So Ted Tripp is another guy that they read. In, in his book, that How Do People Change?, he refers to this parable, and what he's talking about is how when we have trials in life, that's the heat, that's the sun, right? And the ones who are sown here, watch this, some people, the sunlight on their plant makes them grow bigger. Have you ever seen that Alaskan vegetables, those Alaskan vegetables that just grow huge, like a head of cabbage is as big as this table, right? Like, why do they grow so big? Like, for some, the sun, the trials of life wither them away. And for others, trials make them grow like crazy. You, you ever think about this? Two people get cancer. That's a trial. No question about it. One becomes more dependent on Jesus because of the cancer. One turns away from God because of it. The variable is not the cancer. It's not the trial. Say it again another way. Two people lose their jobs. One person runs to God in faith saying, I know God's going to take care of me. I know God's going to provide for me. The other one lives in fear and doubt and worry all the time. Both people lost their jobs. God uses these trials, the sunlight, the heat, to grow the seed that has been planted in good soil to make it stronger, but in the bad soil, it just wilts. It just withers that person away. Which leads to the third soil, which is among the thorns. One sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. What is that, the deceitfulness? It's not just riches. Riches aren't a bad thing. Would that we'd all be rich, right? But they can be deceiving. You think you can handle it. You think you can handle money and prosperity, but then it gets you. It's like reaching into a briar patch. You ever go to pick the blackberries? I did this over at, uh, oh, now I forget, the battlefield, over at Stones River Battlefield. Have you ever walked the path over there? There are blackberries all over that place. 
that were out about a month ago. Have you ever gone over there and pick blackberries? Now, now there'll be no blackberries because everybody will go over there and pick them next year, right? So I remember seeing blackberries. And so I walked out and I'm like, oh, I can get back there. It's not going to be bad. And I get back and I like, I get some blackberries. And then I turn around and I've got to come back out through all those thorns. And man, I, I, I died the death of a thousand cuts coming out of there. I'm just, my legs are bleeding. Flies are coming and gathering on me or whatever. Like, that's what thorns do. You look at them, you see them there, but you think, ah, it's not going to be so, that, that, so bad. But they cut you to death. And it's the desire for other things. They enter in and they choke the word. It never takes root. They choke out the seed of the word of God to where it can't grow. And it proves unfruitful. That's the third kind of soil. And these things that just, you ever want to, I'm just, this is something I really struggle with in my 20s. Now I'm just getting really down to earth, down to earth with my church family here. Did you ever see four kids that were raised in the same family, same parents, same church, and like three of them were following Jesus and one just goes crazy or Three kids raised in a wild family, and three of them stay nuts, but one of them, like, becomes a follower of Jesus and not like the rest of them? Like, how does that happen? Four girlfriends from the same youth group. I watched it all the time. I mean, four girls on leadership together. Then they go off to college. Two of them go hog wild. Two of them get involved in BCM and just follow Jesus and lead other people to Christ. Same youth group, same kind of family, same Bible teaching all through high school. Like, what was the difference? Four men in the same seminary class. Two of them drop out of the ministry within five years. One of which cheats on his wife. Like, same Bible teaching from the same Bible teachers. Four disciples listening to the same rabbi. Peter, James, John follow Jesus. Judas betrays him. Listen, it's not about the sower, it's not about the seed. It's about the heart of the one who receives the word of God. What is it that they desire? What are the voices of their hearts? But for the good soil, the ones who hear the word and they accept it, but it doesn't stop there with just accepting it. They bear fruit. This is a sign of a true believer. They bear fruit. And this is a huge a huge harvest of 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. It's like they're winning other people to Christ. Because this person comes to Jesus, now 30 more people are going to come to Jesus. 60 more, 100-fold. I've, I've never shared that. I forgot to share this with the first service. Like, this is my life verse. Like, this is my verse for see what it was like. Like, this was on my birthday cake when I graduated from seminary. You're like, Mark 4.20. My prayer is, God, I want to be the hundredfold. It's up to you, but man, I just pray that it good soil, hundredfold. Is that what you want? That there will be a hundred people closer to Jesus because Jesus changed your heart at some point in your life. That you, I'm not saying a hundred people come, you're like Billy Graham evangelist or whatever, but I'm just saying that a hundred people came closer to Jesus because you, at one point in your life, came to know Jesus. Man, wouldn't it be great if it's just 30? 
this is what Paul says. Don't miss this. I planted, Paul said, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. What, what he's saying here is it's not about the sower. It's not about the seed. And ultimately, watch this. It's not even about the soils. What do I mean by that? Listen, there, there's a mystery. There's a secret here that Jesus was revealing. And you got to know agriculture a little bit to get it, but they would have. Okay? There's something in here that really only one out of four who hear the word of God are actually going to get it and produce fruit. Only about one out of four. Like, why is that true? Well, let, let, me, let me say this to me. How many of you have ever raised a garden in any way? You, you've gardened something, okay? All right, we had more in the first service, like a lower percentage, okay? But for those of you who have gardened before, actually grown something, how many of you, when you walk to go to your garden to grow whatever it is you're going to grow there in the spring, how many of you, you, your dirt started out like this? Like somebody, all right, somebody did that for you, right? This is my point. Like the dirt's either going to look like this and it needs to be plowed, or some rocks need busted out, or it's going to need weeded. Steve, what are you trying to say? Here it is. Listen, listen. Soil, dirt, doesn't weed itself. Soil can't bust out its own rocks. Soil can't keep the birds away. I mean, remember the, the first soil? Who was the bird that came and took the seed away so that it could never grow? It was Satan, right? Is it, listen, watch, watch. Can a human being keep Satan away so that we can receive the word of God? Are we more powerful than Satan? No, we're not in and of ourselves. Who is the one who is greater than the power that is in the world? Jesus is. This is what I want you to see. Once Jesus is in us, we have the power over Satan. But for Jesus to get in us, somebody has to keep Satan away. Soil doesn't have that ability. Let me say this another way, okay? Who is the only one more powerful in the universe to keep Satan away from us? No soil can do that. No human is powerful enough to do that. The Holy Spirit is the one who casts Satan away, who shoes the bird away. The Holy Spirit is the one who busts out the rocks. The Holy Spirit who want, is the one who pulls out the weeds of the heart. Listen, my friends, God plows the ground. God busts out the rock. God keeps Satan away. Ultimately, it's not about Satan. It's about the farmer, the owner of the land, who was at work before the sower ever showed up with the seed. Do you get that? This is why this is so important in our evangelistic efforts. This is what, watch, watch, watch. Jesus is getting ready to send his disciples out there. There's crowds everywhere. It's the place to be. Everybody's coming from everywhere to hear Jesus' words and see the miracles. And Jesus is saying, listen, guys, 75% of the people that listen to what you have to say probably aren't going to accept it. 
And I don't want you to spend all your time saying, what's wrong with my sewing techniques? Maybe I should just communicate clear. Maybe if I could just shake them, like this one, you ever hear that verse, train up a child on the way they should go and when they're old, they should not depart from it. How does that work when you have one parent who raises all four siblings the same way? That's not a promise in scripture, it's a general truth. But what it really comes down to, what Jesus is saying here is about the soil of the heart. But listen, the only one that can open up someone's heart to receive the gospel is the farmer in heaven, the owner of that heart. Are you tracking with me here, church? This is why when we pray, our focus is not on how can I prepare a better lesson? Our focus must be on to the God of the harvest. Dear Jesus, reach into this person's heart, plow up the hard ground, bust up the rocks. We take the weeds out of there so that when the, se- the seed is sown in their heart, they can hear it and they can receive it and they can apply it, they can do it and fruit will result from that. But as Paul said, only God can make that happen. Paul watered. Apollos. I mean, Paul planted. Apollos watered. But only God can give the growth. This is why Jesus is sharing with his disciples. Listen, if God doesn't get there first, that seed is not going to take So how does that affect our evangelism? How does that affect us sharing our heart with others? We pray to the Lord of the harvest to change someone's heart before we get there to share the word of God with them. I uh, I close with a story. Um, I was out fishing one time and we had fished all day. This, This literally happened. We had fished all day long. And it was one of those frustrating days. Nothing's going to happen. We're going to go back with nothing. And so as we're rowing back, this, this bass jumps up and into the boat. It really happened. Like it, really, it jumps up and it's flopping around like that. And it just reminded me, I mean, it, of this parable, this story, is it's not about like God has to bring the fish to me. God has to put him in the boat. And you're going to see stories like this with the Apostle Peter about Jesus' teaching is God is the one who has to regenerate someone's heart so they can respond to the gospel because otherwise they never will. And that's my question to you. Where's your heart? These people received the word, they thought they were saved. I'll say that again. These people received the word, they thought they were saved, but they had no root and they produced no fruit. They don't have a desire for the word. If you're here this morning, this isn't you. That's why you're here. This is the people who will never step foot into a church. Satan's just driving them away. But our churches are filled with these professors. Professing faith. But not people that reproduce. Let me pray for you right now.
for all of us. Dear Jesus, as we, uh, as we close out this sermon time, there may be some rocks beneath the surface right now, Lord Jesus, that you need to break up. Maybe some thorns in people's lives right now, Lord Jesus, that as you are pulling those weeds out of their lives, it hurts and it's a trial. But you're trying to prepare them for something better, greater, so that they will actually produce a fruit that will last. And Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are going out trying to be that 30, 60, 100-fold, that the emphasis of our prayers not be the methods or the techniques, but the emphasis, the direction of our prayer not be toward the individual, but to the God of those individuals, that you prepare the soil before we get there. Prepare their hearts. Teach us to pray to the Lord of the harvest. You are the one who creates a heart that will change.